Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event. Are you ready? Let's get ready to ramp up your sales. And now the man you've been waiting for, he is the real thriller in Manila. The undisputed, undefeated, reigning, defending, pound for pound, heavyweight, John, the sales machine, Rankin! Ladies and gentlemen, today we got a legend in the studio. Jeffrey Gittimer. He's the author of 17 best-selling books. He's a creative, on-the-edge writer and speaker whose expertise on sales, customer loyalty, and personal development is world-renowned. Known for presentations, seminars, and keynotes all over the world, he's funny, he's insightful, he's in-your-face, real-world, off-the-wall, on the money, given exclusive access to the archives of the Napoleon Hill Foundation, his most recent book is called Truthful Living. It is the very foundation of Napoleon Hill's self-help legacy, his long-lost original notes, letters, and lectures, now compiled, edited, and annotated for the modern reader. Jeffrey gives his audience information they can take out in the street one minute after the seminar is over and turn it into money. His podcast, Sell or Die, gets over 100,000 downloads a month. Jeffrey was inducted into the National Speaker Association's Speaker Hall of Fame. He's also the author of the all-time best-selling book, The Little Red Book of Sales. It sold more copies than any other book on sales in the history of the world. Let's welcome him to the podcast, Jeffrey Gittimer. I got an email today from Salesforce where one of their experts tries to tell you the 10 best ways to make a cold call. Now, you and I have been making cold calls a long time. First of all, there is no best way. Second of all, if you don't have an opening line, you're dead. Third of all, I there's two kinds of cold calls, in person and on the phone. And now there's a third kind online where you go to LinkedIn or you go to, you know, some, but I'm let's just go with the old way of I'm either going to send you an email or I'm going to knock on your door and walk in. One of those two things. What is the best way to make that cold call? I'm going to give you the answer. I'll give you my answer. Using creativity. So if I walk into a, an office and I say to the girl at the front, and I don't want to be gender thing, but it's a girl at the front, or unless you go like, oh my God, there's a guy here. I don't think I've ever seen a guy here before. But the girl at the front and you say, listen, we don't know each other. I know you actually run the place. I'd like to speak to the person that thinks they do. The fun, the fun is, can you get in? Because if you get in, then you have to have some, if you're a guy, you never get in. If you're a woman, you get in. Women can get in. I'm here to talk to the boss. I really have something I want to talk to him about. Okay, just a second. Come right in. You or me, sit on there. And he, he's in a meeting right now. He'll be, out, he'll be done in an hour and a half. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll be over here waiting. But in the meantime, you have to have something that endears you to that person at the front desk, or you're dead. I'm here to see the person in charge of advertising. You're out. You're just out. There's no reason for that person to see you. Why should he see you? And most people don't have an answer. 
why should he see you? So you have to know, not just have an open line, but why should he see you? The answers that they came up with on this email were just ridiculous. You know, research the customer. Oh, yeah, you got to make 200 calls a day. I'm going to have plenty of time to do research. You have no time. It's predictive dialing. It pops into the next guy, pops into the next guy, pops into the next guy. You have no time to do anything other than get rejected. You have plenty of time for that. 97, 98 out of 100, rejection. Well, initially when I started out, I just walk into the business, say, hi, how are you doing? Wow. You guys, uh, you guys, you guys, are you busy? How's business right now? How's things going? Who caught that fish? Who caught that fish? That thing's amazing. Yeah. Who caught that fish? Yeah, there you go. And you just have a conversation. So who caught that fish? I want to talk to him about the one that got away that was bigger. You, you nailed it. So, and you actually nailed it. Like if you're going out and you're doing cold calling, and I've done cold calling door to door, you know, apartments, uh, houses, business to business, and, you know, actually the houses and apartments. Uh, in my day, it, it was a joke, right? Especially, you know, you're doing it in the snow. Even with gloves, you got to get a rock to knock on the door. Yeah. It, it's really just about, you know, solving a problem or finding out, being creative, like you said, allowing them to find out a problem that you can solve. And it's the same thing whether you're selling solar. And it's not that you're selling solar. You're selling actually saving on electricity, right? The benefit is saving or earning money not selling solar. No one cares, right? In order to break the ice, it's all about creativity for me. And today, most people are just given these scripts. They're on auto dialer. And a lot of the big enterprise level companies, you're right. It's just predictive dialing and you get the next person on the call, the next person on the call, the next person on the call. And you talk about it in your book, know, like, and trust you, right? First and foremost. So if we're talking about going in and actually having a conversation with somebody and getting to a decision maker, it's all about being creative. I did uh, some work with Blair Singer. I actually spoke with him in Vietnam. When we were on Mount Kilimanjaro, he talked about how did you know build this massive sales force, right? And I said, well, it, it took me, you know, 20 years, but, you know, we have 3,000 guys. So anyway, he was fascinated with the story. And so in Vietnam, he brought me up, how, are, how, how can people be unlike everybody else? And how can they be creative? So this is, falls right in alignment with what you wrote in this book about no like, and trust. And there was about 270 people in the audience. I went up there. First thing you guys got to get across their mind is no. And what does no mean? Right. So I just wrote no on the board and put next. What does it mean? It means next opportunity. Right. Or then I put a K and a W. Or it means they just don't know enough about your product, your service, or they don't know, like, and trust you enough yet because you haven't built any kind of connection. You don't know anything about them. And if you don't, Put yourself in a place and space of what's in it for them first and foremost, for them to win, then you're always going to lose that sale. Yeah. You're not going to project confidence either. Yeah. And then I wrote up there, you know, I, I love to write up there closer, right? That if you cannot understand the value 
proposition for them, how they win, then you're not going to close the sale and you'll never be a closer. And then I just erase the C because that's where you're going to live. You're going to live as a loser, losing the sale. That's one thing. The next thing in your book, you give everybody the opportunity to understand how to get past the gatekeeper every single time. You walk in and say, can I speak to somebody in your sales department? Especially if they're a big corporation because they want to make a sale. Yep. Every time. Yeah. So it's not. And, and they'll bring you in. They'll come running around the corner to meet you. The methodology a lot of these companies are using are coming from academics, just like all of these CRM programs and software. It's bullshit. It's built by academics, not for salespeople. Like you're using a system that was actually built by salespeople. And I understand and it's an efficient system. And I, I, I dig it. I love a lot of the functionality. I have the functionality in my system. But mine is a sales system, not just an address book. It's a sales system that drives behavior with the right methodology. So you're going to get on a call with somebody and you're not going to do the research. You're not going to actually show up and show them that they know something about you. Like my whole team, not only have they researched you, Jeffrey, and they already know that I know you, I like you, I trust you. I have your resources. I've written and I have the original sales Bible with the cards. And the people see that people see the floppiness. New generation be like, what's that? Yeah, I have the original. People are not allowed to touch the floppiness and the cards because they'll they'll mess them up, right? And so we do research. Not only that, we go through what is real relevant right now that you're working on because I want to build a connection and a relationship with you. That's so short-term, one-and-done, one-night-stand mentality is not what business is about. You're just one-and-done. Don't knock one-night stands. You know what? You got a point there. We all need some emotional comfort once in a while. (laughs) So, yeah, we have a list of questions. Like, we do our research, and a lot of the academics out there or or people trying to feed a system It doesn't work. The methodology doesn't work. If you haven't built a connection, no one's going to talk to you. Nobody. There's In the academic world, there's no emotion and there's very little humor. Yeah, and and people can't take a joke. They get all upset about bullshit. Who cares about your sexual orientation? When we grew up, nobody says, you know, I just got to let you know I'm gay. Why do you need to tell me what your gender is? How is that relevant that you're talking about your sexuality? Full disclosure, I've had thousands, you know, I've worked with tens of thousands of people and I've worked with a lot of gay people and I've got no problem with them. A lot of them are true professionals. They don't talk about their sexuality. They don't talk about who they're dating. They're just true professionals. And a lot of them are detailed. They're meticulous. They get shit done and you don't have to, they're not angry. A lot of them are just so dialed in and professional. One of my top guys is uh, gay. I don't care. Okay, so let's look at that. Let's look at that process because there's one other thing that that absolutely pisses me off. Well, I don't make cold calls. I make targeted cold calls. Like, dude, you wouldn't know a targeted cold call if it came up and bit you on the ass. What you're what you're telling me is I only talk to dentists. That's not a targeted cold call. A targeted cold call, and I can tell you from 
Me Who Made Him in Manhattan, where my closing ratio for targeted cold calls was 100%. I was making imprinted sportswear, and we would target a company and make a shirt for them in advance. Cost us 500 bucks. And I would go to the meeting knowing that the guy was going to ask me to make a sample. And I'm wearing the sample under my suit. And the guy would say, wow, this is really cool. Can you make me a sample? I go, yes, I can. If you like it, how many will you buy? And I would wait for the answer. I'd say, but if you love it, how many will you buy? And I'd get another answer. And I'd undo my tie and I'd open up my shirt like Superman. I'd go, like it or love it? And make a sale, John, every single time. But somebody else is going to go, well, I only target uh, people that are in the hair care product. No, that's not a target. That's a cold call. That's a freaking cold call, period. You're not doing anything in advance. You're not coming up with any idea. You're not spending any money. You're not investing any money in the call. We had $1,000 invested in the sales call before I ever made it because I got to fly someplace. I got to stay in a hotel room and I got to make the shirt. 100% closing ratio. 100%. People talk about no like and trust. If you, well, like you wrote the book on it. Like you wrote the book and everybody's using it because. I mean, this was published in 2005, and it's been regurgitated on offers and everything that you could ever think of, especially people selling courses. Oh, yeah. Well, people are not going to buy from you if they don't know, like, and trust you. But you need to flip it. What do you know about right. your potential target or the individual that you want to serve to make a sale to? So what do you know about them? What do you know about their company? What are their interests? What do they like doing? Another approach that I like to use, start building relationships in the car care industry. So we go straight to their head offices, whether it's Caltech, Shell. Uh, we did a half a million dollar deal with Shell. And we're selling car care products, wax, things that they do not already have. Mm -hmm. The methodology is giftology. So I use that methodology through gifting and we give them a gift basket before no one can, can't get in the door with these oil executives at the highest level. You cannot get in the door. You know what I mean? And the proposals just stack up on their desk, one after the other, after the other, after the other, or the, or the business card is the same as everybody else's. And it just gets stacked and pushed aside. And eventually, what happens is that stack gets so big, right? But you can't get rid of that gift. Let me define the no like, and trust thing in a way that'll make it easy for everybody listening. Number one, no. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. If you haven't figured out a way to get that person to know you before you make that sales call, you have a problem. Because you're going to look just like everybody else. You're a sales guy. I don't want to know. Oh, you're Jeffrey. Oh, come on in. Yeah, I'm mistaking you for a sales guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a sales guy. But just in case you have your credit card. And literally, I'll say that. I'll totally say that. Because I want to, I want to have a real world conversation with somebody. And they'll know I'm not full of shit if I just talk about it from, from the very beginning. And I love sales guys that say, I'm not here to sell you anything. Seriously? then if you're not here to sell me anything, fuck out of here because I only want to be sold stuff. I'm, I buy anything from anybody. Ask the people at Instagram. I buy everything. 
what was like the turning point when you finally understood, wait a minute, because we've all made mistakes in sales, right? I will tell you the number of times that I've walked into somebody's office since I started writing and my book was already on their bookshelf. And I go, hey, can you take that book off your shelf for just a second? They go, sure. And then I autograph it right in front of them. Think about the impact of that. When I say writing leads to wealth, I, I really mean writing needs to recognition, writing needs to, leads to reputation. And there's certain things that it leads to that most people don't understand. And in my early days, I couldn't do shit because it didn't mean anywhere. Now, you can go everywhere in two seconds online. You can become viral in an hour. So I get a, a note today that I, the a post that I just did last week got 29,000 impressions on LinkedIn. Not bad. But 10 years ago, nobody was doing anything on LinkedIn. 20 years ago, absolutely nobody was doing anything on LinkedIn. So how did I gain any kind of reputation? And the answer was slowly. You know, I had a shitty website. Um, I'm writing every week in the in the business journals around the country. But I started with one business journal, and then I got another one, and then another one, and then another one. So you have to be prepared to do the work. That's what salespeople are not prepared to do. They want to have the fastest, easiest, slickest way. Uh, I'll send 100 emails. I'll get two responses. No, you're looking like an idiot to the other 98 people, an absolute idiot to the other 98 people. It feels good when you do the work. It feels good when you do the work. You have a sense of accomplishment. You have a sense of, of feeling personal pride. Yeah, and, and that's why a lot of people don't have any confidence today. Because the only way to have confidence is to have competence. And the only way to become competent is through practice, is through doing the work and training and training and training until you get better. Or work. I always ask my team, if they come back and they got ambushed, right, <laughs> by a CEO, you know, uh, or they or they got the tea or the meeting got hijacked and i'm i'm coming up with these scenarios right in the boardroom or with situations right and i'm naming them the hijack uh the ambush right when you go in and you're making a presentation i say okay so what did you learn let's write it down what could you have done differently right but the best way is to become good before you go into that meeting and to know how to handle whatever objection or situation, it's going to happen. And the best way to do that. If the customer says your price is too high, you say, my price is too high. I, I never heard that before. That throws the other guy completely in the opposite direction. I never heard that before. Or you can say even a more powerful thing. I was hoping you would say that. I was hoping you would tell me you already had somebody else to do business with. I was hoping you'd tell me that my prices are too high because our best customers come to me, after I've overcome that objection. So I just need five more minutes, and I brought this pen just in case you need it to sign this order form. Uh, press hard, three copies. Because they don't have confidence, Jeffrey. And the reason why they don't have confidence is they don't, they're not competent. And that's why I spent my whole life training people how to sell and, and, and not practice on the customer, practice, practice on each other. Right? Pity devil's advocate. And then guess what? We're going to switch. But, you know, bottom line is what you said about creativity is probably the superpower of salespeople. 
The more creative you can be, whether it's giftology, whether it's your methodology for getting in the door, for uh, breaking the ice, finding out something about them. So, you know, the number one rule in sales to me is shut up and listen. Just shut up about your product, about your service, about who you are, about your company. Shut up. Nobody cares. I love to write on the wall or on a whiteboard. Now I have this interactive screen. I write, guess what? Everybody thinks of you. Nobody cares. Let me let me break it to you. You're not fucking Lady Gaga. You're not. You're not Lady Gaga. And nobody cares. Yeah. That's it. You're not famous. So, and, it, and it's never going to be about your tie, your suit, your hair. Nobody cares. All they care about is once it, oh, you've lost that race, dude. <laughs> Not about my hair. Yeah, once you get it through your fucking head, then it's all about them. It's not about you. So there's no reason to be nervous when you come from service. I know. What's in it for me? Exactly. What's in this for me? Let me throw something at you. It's not just what's in this for me. You can elaborate and say, look, everybody wants to know what's in it for you. But I, this is what I want to know. What's in it for you after you take delivery? What's the outcome going to be of you purchasing from us? That's where I want to concentrate on today. What's in it for you after you take delivery? Now, I, in mentally, John, I've got them looking at the fact that you already bought it. So let's discuss what's going to happen after it shows up here. Who's going to make the copies? Who's going to make the coffee? Who's going to clean the room? Who's going to, you know, anything that you're talking about, there's an after. There's a, there is an outcome after delivery. And that's where that salesperson needs to go. Otherwise, they're pitching a product that somebody could Google and throw them the hell out of yeah, it. Yeah, that's just a trait. And I love that you said that because that takes the sale from being transactional to being transformational, right? A sustainable, scalable relationship rather than just the one and done. And the sales guy has to realize that if he or she can have a little bit of fun, they're going to win five times more sales than somebody who's not having any fun. I pace around when I'm selling in a CEO's office, and usually it gets them to stand up and pace around. And when they do, I sit in their chair. <laughs> you should see the look on their faces. Yeah, and they and you know what? A, a, a truly confident CEO is going to admire that confidence. Oh, totally. Oh, totally. You have no idea. If they love it, they bought. Sales is really just a transfer of confidence. And if you're not confident in what you're selling, why should anybody else? It's a, it actually, um, I, I've looked at it from every different angle. It's a transfer of confidence. It's a transfer of emotion. It's a transfer of belief. Yes. I got to believe so strong that you catch my belief. I got to have an attitude that's so good that you catch my attitude. But in the end, if I'm not confident about it, I see it in one second. Yeah, and it gives them the sense of trust. I have to see that confidence. It's got to shine through. Because they're not going to trust you if you're incongruent. If you do not create certainty, 
then you're creating doubt. And when in doubt, they're out. So you've got to transfer that confidence because confidence creates certainty and certainty creates sales. I have a statement that says if they like you and they believe you and they have confidence in you and they trust you, then they may, then they may buy from you. And then I'll ask the audience, which is more powerful, like, believe, confidence, or trust? And they all say trust. It's not true. It's like. If I don't like you, I'm never going to come near you. If I don't like you, um, can you imagine a woman going out on a date with a guy, coming back and say, you know, I really didn't like that guy, but I, I trusted him. It, you talked about the Salesforce team and, and sending you out this email about their 10 methodologies for actually making a cold call. Not one word in there about the word value. Value proposition. They wrote a thousand words about this and the word value was out, was not in there. Everybody buys on perceived value. If I think the value is greater than the price, I'm in. If I don't think the value is greater than the price, I'm, I'm a price buyer, I'm out. People are putting out so much content uh, today and you know, I've been advised, you, you, you got to put out the content, John, not only for the quality, but you also have to put out quantity. But there's so many people out there putting this out there, and it's creating a lot of misguidedness, like people are lost. Okay, so here's the answer. Don't put a message out unless there's perceived value to that message by the customer. That's it. If I perceive there's value there, I want to read another one. If I don't perceive there's any value there, I hit delete. We're having a 30% off sale this week only. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Oh, wow, they're having a 30% off of something I don't want. Oh, you know, Jeff, I was... Let me hit the buy now button. I work and coach CEOs too. Uh, just a passion project. And... Um, I've created a lot of frameworks and, you know, I've only really finished one, the Life Mastery Playbook. And I use that. I give it to CEOs, right? But I, I built out a framework, which is, which is psychology methodology uh, called the ultimate success formula, which is really three things. One is getting total clarity. Number two is focus. And number three is strategy. And that's the ultimate success formula. And it's broken down, right? And get total clarity is something I wrote after I went broke. I got ripped off uh, three and a half million bucks, had to leave a country on the boat, on a boat in Indonesia. Anyway, I wrote down these five steps. Like I just took audit of my life and, and inventory of everything. I clarified where am I at right now? Because I was pretty much fucked. I was on a boat on the way to Singapore, right? And I just lost my company, three and a half million dollars. My director had blacklisted me from that country. Like it was, it was a, it was a shitstorm. <laughs> my fucking life was turned upside down. I went from hero to zero overnight, dude. Three and a half million in the bank. Like I was rolling, doing 10 million in sales a year. Like I thought I had it all figured out. And then I just got punched in the gut. And so I wrote down these five steps to clarity. Clarify where you're at. Clarify what do I want? Why do I want it? How am I going to get it? And how am I going to make sure that this never, ever happens again? 
right? Which is clarify your progress. Anyway, I put it out there. And the number one thing I do with first step for all of the people that I work with is always, what's your value proposition? What's your value? What are what is your valuable offer that you're gonna to, to make a difference in other people's lives, whether it's your product, your service? And people are challenged with it. They're so in love with their own idea. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't go into a sales call unless I have an idea about how the customer wins. Because otherwise I'm just a sales guy. Well, I came here today to learn a little bit about your business. Get the fuck out of here, buddy. You could have Googled me. Yeah, I, that's another idiom I use. Have you seen the movie Jerry Maguire? Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I role play with my salespeople. I love it because it's battle, right? And it's just sharpening their sword, right? And a lot of times I'm, I'm just like, you know what? You lost me at hello. Wow. You didn't have me at hello. You lost me. You know why? Because you didn't fucking talk anything about the value or about me. It's all about you. Nobody cares. You know, when I leave a voicemail, when I leave a voicemail for somebody, I say, hey, this is Jeffrey. I was talking to a couple of your biggest competitors yesterday. They were talking about you and they said, and I hang up. That's balls and that's a great hook, man. That's a great hook because they want to know, what are they saying about me? It's an incredible opportunity to have a good time. I said, listen, dude, I hung up because I want to have fun and I wanted you to call me back. I didn't want to leave a boring fucking message and we're on the phone now. I'm going to, I, there's one question I ask every customer of mine. And the question is, how can I help you the most? It may not have anything to do with my problem or my product or your, your issue with me, but if I know how I can help you the most, I might be able to find an answer. When somebody says your price is too high and you say, I was hoping you would say that, it blows their fucking doors off. Yeah, and I love how you, it's all your creativity of thinking outside the box, being unlike what others. And usually it's opposite. It's usually opposite thinking. I don't teach satisfaction. I teach loyalty. I don't teach making a sales pitch. I teach why people buy. It's so much easier. It's so much more obvious. Especially when you talk about what's it going to look like, you know, six months after. After they buy. After you're using this product or service or this methodology. What, what is it going to be? What is it, your company going to look like? We were talking about work earlier. Let's close that loop. Yeah. It's all about the hook, right? If you can't hook them, then you're never going to reel them in. You're never even going to get to a second meeting. So I, I, I have another idiom for that. It's called, instead of you doing the work, you're wishing. And if you're wishing, you can't win it. And if you're wishing, it's like fishing without a hook. Let me make it a little more subtle. I used to go fishing with one of my father-in-laws many years ago, like many, many years ago. We'd go out at four o'clock in the morning with a boat, a rowboat, and he would work the shoreline with a canoe paddle, and he had a cane pole and a worm, and he would pull five-pound, ten-pound bass out of the water with one yank. Okay. And I'd say, how'd you do it? He goes, 
I don't hook fish. I set the hook. That's right. They'll just suck off the bait. In other words, the first yank sets the hook. Because a lot of times the, the fish will grab onto something and the hook's not set. And you start to reel the fish in way too early. You have to set the hook in their jawbone or it's not going to come into and the boat. I, I call it wishing. So wishing is like fishing without a hook. Exactly. And the same with your customer. If you're trying to hook that person, you better have something of value that sets that hook. Otherwise, all you're doing is fishing. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about Jeff because you're a legend and the reason, and I'm not blowing smoke. It's just reality. I mean, uh, a lot of the frameworks out there today are basically regurgitated frameworks from you and in, 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 in your books, in your life. Uh, and I'm writing the book, The Sales Fishing, How to Build and Scale a Multi-Million Dollar Sales Team. The first chapter is going to be about recruiting because you can't build a fucking sales team without recruiting. And first of all, you need to be the nectar and show them what's in it for them. How, why work for you, right? And there's going to be several chapters, and there'll be a chapter about my journey in sales from the time I was a, a mowing lawns, doing my first free offer was as a paper boy. So now it's on the internet. Um, I did a free offer when I was fucking 11 years old. I said, I'll give you the newspaper for free because there was contest, and I was driven. I wanted to win, right? I'm like, I'll give it to you for free. I'll put it on your porch. I'll slide it in your door. I'll do whatever it takes, right? And if you love it, then you keep it. If you don't, I'll pay for it, right? So the book is going to be written about how to build and scale a multi-million dollar sales force. And with that smart framework of sales, marketing, accountability through achievement, retention, and training, that's the book, right? Through my life experience, having built and scaled tens of thousands of salespeople all over the world. And so at what point in time did you go from salesperson to a sales leader and start uh, understanding not only your own psychology and the methodology, but using that to build and scale sales teams? Well, first of all, I started out learning in New York City, which is a very difficult place to learn because there's competitions is crazy. And once I realized I could make sales, then I compared myself to other people who did what I did and realized they weren't very good. So then I started to help other sales teams get better. But March the 23rd, 1993, was the day I began to write. That changed everything. When I put my concepts in the, in the Charlotte Business Journal, I went from an authority to an expert. And that, that changed everything. People started calling me on the phone. When, you, when something's in print, and now you can make a blog, you can make a post on Facebook, you can throw a video up on Instagram, you can make a YouTube channel. I had none of that and still gained notoriety based on what I was writing. And the, the challenge that you have for the salesperson is you have to put yourself out there as a, an expert, even an authority, to be able to get the lead to come to you, not you to go make a cold call to somebody. That's bullshit. Because then you have to explain who you are and what you do. It's so much easier if somebody knows who you are. 
Oh, yeah, you're that guy that writes a column every week in the paper. Yep, it's me. So somebody calls up your company and they have a gripe. You say, Mrs. Jones, you're in luck. I'm the best person here to handle that problem. Whoa, that's pretty cool. Or you can say, well, you know, we get that all the time. Uh, a lot of people call up and have that. Like, seriously? No, I'm the best person to handle that. That's my favorite problem, Mrs. Jones. That's the one I handle the best. Okay. I said, you just give me your phone number, sit back and watch the sparks fly. Or you can go on, you know, three people have called about that today. I don't appreciate that language that you're using. If you're, if you're going to be in sales and you're going to be in service, you better have rhinoceros skin. I got one of these guys on my desk. What kind of rhino I got? Uh, so, yeah, I love that. So did you ever build and scale your own sales team? Or did you go uh, one on many and just uh, insert yourself into different industries, different companies, and scale their teams? I mostly did other people's teams because my businesses were small and they relied on me to make a sale. I had other sales guys, but they could never match. They could never. I wasn't a coach then. I was just the leader of a company. And I, I, I get a sales guy, and he wasn't really that good. I go, watch this, pal. Just let me. Leave me alone. Let me go make sales. And when I started to do consulting, I realized that, oh, I can help whole teams of people. You got your rhino? Whoa. Oh, yeah. Take out this big doggy dog. That's a baby. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a big doggy dog. Hand carved. I commissioned this in Bali, Indonesia. That's like cool that? Yeah, love it. Right on. Well, send me your address. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so you built and scaled other people's sales teams because that yeah, was... I didn't, you know, John, I didn't realize I had the expertise until I realized how shitty other people were. I thought it was just natural, like I could go do anything I wanted. And if you're making, you know, $250,000 a month in sales, a million dollars a month in sales... It's money. But then you have partners and you have problems and you have bullshit. And I just said, no. I'm so I've actually worked with an individual called RNT Solutions. Her name is Dori Makapagal. And she is actually doing $20 million in sales a year, selling supplements to livestock farms, pig farms specifically. And we incorporated this methodology. Me thinking, okay, I only do cosmetics, I only do skincare or car care before, I got outside my box and I started speaking at these different venues and people were blown away. And I had no idea that the value proposition I had, not only for my own industries, was so valuable to, to others. So we took this woman, a single mom, who's doing $20 million in sales a year to $25 million. In less than a year, she made an additional million bucks incorporating that, that big five. A million dollars. She gave me, she gave me 10% of it, 100 grand, less than a year. But I had no idea, Jeffrey, just like what you're saying, that a lot of the things people say, you got to, the, the riches are niches. And I'm going to niche slap you if you, if you don't go into your niche. But ultimately, when you deal with rewards, recognition, competition, compensation, levels of development within your people, 
then you can duplicate yourself. You can replicate yourself. But it takes a lot of training. And so oh, now wow. people pay me tens of thousands of dollars to implement these frameworks. I thought were only valuable with what I was doing. That's interesting. You short sold yourself on yourself. That's right. Like you were saying before, you didn't know right. that you were that good until you started. I didn't know that they were that bad. Or that they were that bad, right? Yeah. I would discount myself thinking, oh, you know, I've got, I, there's going to be a huge learning curve for me to get into B2B sales. But in actuality, people are complicating sales now. A guy wrote a book on the complex sale. And I want to take that book in the airport and I want to scribble in the front of the book, call the CEO, get a meeting with him, get his approval, sale over. There's no complexity. CEO walks downstairs and says, see this guy? Yeah, this is who we're buying from. Okay, boss. Okay. And that's it. It's fucking over. I don't need to get consensus. I don't need to get approval. I need to have a meeting with the fucking CEO. And if he likes me, he buys it. Done. Yeah, and I love that. So it's, that book's about the challenger sale or the challenger customer. I understand that. But I'm telling you, if you're a 25-year-old kid and you walk in and challenge a 55-year-old CEO, you're out on your ass. Yeah, and a lot of them don't understand that. The CEO, listen, that, that challenger sale needs to just reverse itself and it'll work. Don't challenge the other guy. Challenge yourself. You're talking to a 55-year-old CEO. You're 25 years old. That CEO, if he's 55 years old, he's 100% going to listen to you if you've been there, done that, and created 10x his results. Yeah. But if you just learned how to wipe your ass <laughs> and you've created nothing in your life and you're going to impose upon him how you know better than he does, then you're going to be out on your ass. And, and a lot of people don't understand that. Until you've earned the fucking right, no one wants to hear from you. If you haven't earned the right, if you haven't made a difference in someone's life, one of your customers, uh, your team's life, like you say you're the nectar, Jeffrey, uh, and everybody came to you because you created that nectar. You put yourself out there. You, you, regardless of what everybody else is doing, you started writing to these business journals. You started, be, you, you went from the authority to the expert and what now they call the thought leader, right? Which I don't know about the thought leaders. You guys can all fucking think in the toilet. Show me results. Show me that you've earned the right to have the conversation and then I'll be interested in what you got to give. I'm going to tell you how you become a thought leader. You go into a, a CEO and you say, here's my brochure or here's my book autographed, which, which makes you a thought leader. <laughs> a brochure from a marketing department, which is going to get shredded. Please don't shred this till I leave. Yeah, that, and, and I'm not putting, I'm, I'm truly putting out the sales machine, the book, How to Build and Scale a Sales Force to Millions. I'm truly doing it to help small businesses know what they need to do, how to do it, 
and how to get their people to want to do it. Will it have an Asian slant? But no, culturally, uh, it's just nuances. Cultures are different in every country. 100%. There are nuances, but the fundamentals that we talk about, as far as know, like, and trust, as far as your value proposition, as far as people coming from service, never being nervous, people actually listening to the customer and finding out what they can do. I'm going to throw this at you. If I'm a Chinese-based company, any kind of, of uh, Asian Chinese-based, I'm going to do what my father told me to do. I have respect for that parent to a point where, no, my dad says I got to do this, and they're going to fucking do it. So think about that in terms of how to get your dad to listen to your ideas. The same way it's how do you get your customers to listen to your ideas? Well, you just mailed it right there. So are you trying to tell your dad what to no, do? No, you're going to ask your dad, what do you think of exactly. this? Exactly. That's what we're talking about. That same methodology will work whether you're in Russia, agree. Cambodia, yeah, I Ethiopia, Indonesia, America. So your dad is is an already an authority, especially if you're a Chinese company. That guy did the work. Oh, yeah. He built that company from a great generation being resourceful. Without all of these other resources, he had to rely on being resourceful. And if you're uh, in a Chinese family, they have tradition. Big time. And you need to respect the tradition. So the only way you've got to, the greatest salespeople in the real world are the influencers who can enroll others. Based on, you said it before, in their confidence, in their belief system, because that's what's going to give them the trust. So mm -hmm. if, if you go to your dad and ask, what are the goals of the company? What do you want us to achieve? You want to put me in charge. What are the things that you think we can do? Because I'm going to come back with three different ideas that are going to solve our problems, close I'm that gap. Say, Dad, what makes you trust this guy? Dad, why do you believe this guy? I want to know how my dad thinks so that I can transfer that thinking to my customer. That's so important. That cultural difference, it doesn't exist here in America. I told my old man to fuck off. Right. That's, what That's said not more a good than methodology. Right. <laughs> I'm saying the fundamentals of our methodologies still work. Culturally, you have to come from a different place in space. But at the, at the end of the day, the sun has not yet earned the right, and unless he's put some wins, wins on the board. I think that it's important, and this is really, really important. I think that it's important for you to write this book in terms of a, a higher culture. And, or, and Asian culture is much higher than ours. Japanese, Chinese, 5,000 years. We're 200 years. We don't know shit. We sell bread in the store that goes stale. There's a date on it. 
Now, you go to a bakery anywhere else in the world, they got day-old bread. That's it. You throw it out at the end of the day. Yeah, and you know, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned being in Asia. So Asians are, are passive-aggressive, but more emotionally intelligent than the Western world. And our, we were taught to be men and to fight, and you got to be strong all the time. And we're aggressive. Right. And so whenever people lose their fucking mind or lose their attitude, Asians see that as weakness. Correct. In the Western world, a lot of people. Asians look for weakness. Asians look for weakness. The old Japanese movie, the chain is only as strong as its weakest rink. Rook. Godzilla. Exactly. I used to watch those movies. That's a wrap, folks. Thanks for joining me today. And if you got value from this episode, do me a favor. Like, subscribe, and refer a friend. And if you want even more value, go to thesalesmachine.com, click on resources, and there's tons of resources there to increase profits and drive performance in your business. Right on, right on, come on.